and I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'll put you on the spot. What was put your worst spot? What was your worst call you ever made? You look back and you say, Oh, how did I get that well, one wrong? Have you got a couple hours or <laughs> <laughs> when I stepped on the ice, I never backed down and I never stayed down. And I was vicious, and I was malicious, and I don't care. I'm alive. He's a freaking madman. Look at him going to town. That'll be a suspension. That'll Welcome a into the Raw Knuckles podcast. Uh, today's special edition, the draft edition, NHL draft in Montreal. Uh, incredible when we think of the NHL draft and what it used to be. It used to be in Montreal all the time. Um, this is the 27th time the draft is in the city of Montreal. And, um, God, we couldn't wait for it to get back. It was here. And then COVID came and it gets canceled. And now, finally, uh, it is back in Montreal. And lo and behold, the Canadians have the first overall pick. And with us today to discuss this year's NHL draft, Grant McCagg from recruits.ca, www.ca, recruits.ca. Uh, Grant does a whole rundown on the NHL draft, lets us know about each and every player, his thoughts uh, on, on what players uh, uh, are destined to make the NHL and you know, give, gives us the lowdown on, on all the players. Grant, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Listen, good to have you. Um, uh, listen, you used to scout for the Montreal Canadiens. What years were you with the Habs? I was with the Habs uh, strictly on a part-time basis uh, between 2008 and 2010. So I did some regional scouting in uh, West Quebec and Eastern Ontario predominantly. I made a few trips to Lake Placid and stuff like that, but mostly just uh, looked at some regional guys and didn't have, you know, didn't have a lot of input into uh, who they ended up drafting, but but I helped out as much as I could. Well, that's good. So you have a background in drafting NHL players, guys from uh, junior hockey, and looking um, looking at what you do now with your um, your website, uh, Le Recruits. .ca. Now, what is the the purpose of that for you? Do, you? do NHL scouts, do other people rely on you for that? Or is that more for the, the average fan of the NHL to kind of uh, check out and see who's going to be drafted and get the lowdown on? Well, I don't think it's, uh, you know, the go-to guide for too many NHL scouts or anything like that. But um I always, uh, when I grew up, I, I, I loved the Hockey News' uh, draft guide every year. And uh, Bob McKenzie basically started it up, who uh, everybody, I think, respects that it's in the media world. Um, and what he would do was, would be uh, interview scouts and get anonymous quotes and, uh, you know, try to base it around, uh, put out a draft guide that gave the average fan a, a pretty good indication of, of how the draft might go. Um, what I do is, uh, and I, I've said it a few times, is I have, you know, through the years, I got to know a few scouts and a few of them are, are good friends. 
And what I do is I treat them as my staff per se, and me as the head scout, I get all their input and then I, you know, I make a list and it, uh, it features a lot of their input very heavily because they're, they're the ones seeing these guys live 200 times a year. And I'm not because just out of uh, financial constraint, I can only get out to so many games and a lot of them local and uh, do a pile of video scouting. But between what they, what, what they tell me, their input and what I see, I, I formulate a list and try to, you know, uh, it, it tries to be close to what the NHL is leaning towards as far as who they'd be picking. And then also some of my own favorites in there, obviously. Well, that's good. We're going to get into that uh, shortly. And uh, I, it's so rude of me, I didn't introduce you to producer Barry. Barry Reese with Knuckles today. Tim Stapleton uh, has a family commitment, so Barry's going to join us today. And um, Grant, uh, it, it, draft being in Montreal, which is, is awesome. And I can't imagine, okay, that there is one team in the NHL, one scout in the NHL that is disappointed that they're coming to Montreal for the draft, right? I mean, this is... This is a place that every player loves to come and play in this building. Uh, they love the city, and there's so much excitement around this upcoming draft. And obviously, uh, with the Habs picking first overall, let's get into the picks. Um, there is um, certainly everybody has their own opinions on who the Habs should draft. I know you've taken a lot of heat on Twitter uh, because of uh, who you think the Habs are going to pick or who they should pick. Now, Shane Wright, uh, they have Matt number one. Yurich uh, Slavkovsky at number two. Logan Cooley at number three. So those are the top three. We kind of kind of got to go figure. Um, who, in your mind, are the Habs going to take and why? I, you know, I don't know who they're going to take, but I, you know, uh, I, I certainly prefer Slavkovsky. Uh, not only do I think he's the best player available, but I think he's the ideal fit for the Canadians. They've been uh, starving for um, size in their top six, in my opinion, uh, for you know this, this millennium, really, since the 90s. And uh, here's their perfect opportunity to add that. And uh, I also think he has the, up, the most upside, and, and he's very safe. Like he, At, at the absolute worst, he's going to be a solid big second line winger but i think he can he can end up he has the potential to be the best forward on the canadians and that's that's hard to pass on well it sure is and um you know a lot of people have right at the top there and well, I, I guess why are you looking at uh over uh, shane wright now shane wright you know big kid too uh big center iceman the habs always been <laughs> kind of small up the middle and that that has hurt them over the years, no question. But here's two big guys, um, and and yeah, uh, Slavkovsky is bigger than Wright. But why not Shane Wright? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think the uh, average size of uh, NHL forward is six one plus, and Shane Wright's a six six foot six foot and a quarter. So I wouldn't call him a, like a big center. He's still average size center and uh, they already have an average size center in the top two in Suzuki. So, you know, 
you, you got a one-two punch of centermen who are average size. Neither of them are above average size. So I, I would argue that, you know, they're not going to be big down the middle with, with those two as their, as their one-two punch, but they'd be awfully, awfully, uh, you know, I mean, they'd be set certainly uh, as far as they wouldn't have to go out and get another uh, centerman if they picked right. Um, what's been, uh, unfortunately, with Wright being the uh, consensus number one and uh, me having to justify why I don't think he's a consensus number one, I've just spent an inordinate amount of time having to explain that. And it, it ends up criticizing Wright all the time. And I, you know, I'd like to stop doing that. I just, uh, because I mean, I like the player. I think he's a great, I think he's a great kid. I think he's going to be a very solid NHLer, but I just simply don't uh, consider him to be one of the top three players in this draft class. Wow. No, not one of the top three. Now, listen, the knock I heard on him, he's a little lazy. He's a little kind of hang hides in the bushes a little bit. Uh, Isn't that prototypical? Two hundred foot player like we see in a Petrus Bergeron, let's say, uh, and and you think that's a maybe a little bit of immaturity, and if he was to be handled by an NHL co- coach, that they could get to him and say, "Listen, here's the deal: you want to stay at this level, you want to play at this level, you want to first of all, you want to get to this level, you want to stay at this level. Th- these are the things you have to do. Is he is he coachable? Well, I. I hope so. And I mean, he had a rookie coach in Kingston who probably didn't want to rock the boat too much. You know, uh, you take over and there's this f- supposed phenom. You're not going to, you know, I think he handled them with kit gloves this year. And I'm not, I'm not certain that that was maybe the approach that he should have taken. Cause uh, I think he needed to, you know, he needed a boot in the butt a couple times this year when he wasn't competing the way you'd like to see him compete. <clears throat> excuse me um i mean you're taking a risk you know at first overall you don't want to have these question marks about competitiveness uh and that's one of the main reasons why i don't have them first is because there are that there is that question mark like uh he reminds me very much so of nolan patrick in his draft year and we've seen how how that's turned out um he didn't get it you know so what if right what if it's the same with Wright? What if he underachieves? Uh, and I mean, there there is certainly that question, and that's probably the largest reason why I don't have him in the top three. Okay, so um, looking at the Habs having that first pick overall, and you know the pressure that comes with playing in Montreal, and comes with uh, the position of being the general manager. Last time Habs had the first pick overall, we can look back, and God rest his soul, Doug Wickenheiser who I absolutely loved, was a dear friend. Um, you know, we look back, it, it, they made a mistake. You know, thinking, here was Doug, a big, big sentiment, okay? They were thinking Jean Beliveau, the next Jean Beliveau. Doug dominated Junior. He was bigger than, like, rather large man for a center iceman in Junior, and he just dominated. When he got to the NHL, well, Boy, everybody else was big now, and it was a struggle on him. There was a lot of pressure. He didn't play right away, and then he got in the lineup, and things didn't go his way, and it was a difficult, believe me, it was so difficult and painful to watch some of the stuff he went through here. Um, Denny Savard, good Shea New, ends up going to Chicago, and we know what happened there. 
So with that, all that pressure, I guess, on this general manager, uh, a rookie GM, by the way, and Kent Hughes, uh, but he's coupled with a guy who's shown that um, he, he's pretty keen and sharp when it comes to drafting players. We look what he did in Boston, Gordon, and we look what he did in New York. He's done one hell of a job. And I'm looking for that to continue. And do you think you're thinking they're going to pick your, your edge? Do you think Gordon is going to pick him and Hughes? Gordon and Hughes. I say Gordon and Hughes because I <laughs> obviously the two of them are working together. Well, it's funny you ask that. I'm, I'm just, uh, I just wrote an article that I'm going to be publishing this afternoon, you know, going, going into detail on that. Um, and, uh, it, I think that there's pressure to take right because after what happened last year at the draft with them taking Mayu and it ended up being a, so controversial. And it, I mean, it's quite obvious that the majority of fans, as I've been, as I'm told in every, uh, in every tweet as they're ripping you up and down yeah, yeah, on twitter right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you know that, that that they definitely oh no we're you, you know right 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 so i mean you know do they want eighteen thousand fans to be booing like do they you know i keep picturing the you remember the girl when uh the you know the oh yeah the lady but coke the lady coke yeah so <laughs> is there are we gonna see like ten thousands uh uh you know 10,000 uh, of those faces, you know, <laughs> like, being shocked. Yeah. Being yeah, shocked yeah. That they, Every, picked, they didn't pick right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with the, with the, the Zadina lady look on their face, you know, if, yeah. uh, if Slavkowski goes first overall. So, I mean, I understand that there's some pressures there and I, I mean, my sources have indicated that, that they prefer Slavkowski, but, but that, uh, uh, you know, maybe maybe the boss wants them to take right, you know, and the, the boss is usually the one that, you know, ends up getting the uh, the final Get say. Way. When you say the boss, do you say Gordon or do you say Molson? I think Jeff right well, at the top. God, I, you know, I hope they don't go on Jeff's uh, suggestion. I hope I they hope go so on too. Gordon's. I hope they – and I'm sure in hiring these two guys that – Man, you got to put your faith and trust in them and that they're picking the right guy. I happen to think <clears throat> Gordon and Hughes together um, are, are going to make the right move. And I hope it's – honestly, I hope it's this kid because, listen, 6'4", 225, that's what he's listed at. He's still growing. The kid has magic hands, right? He can stick hand on the phone booth. You don't get that in big men, right? You don't get that in big men. What 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 is how about the character of this kid? All right. We know he's got the talent, skating. Um how about his character? Well, I, I don't know that there's a better authority on that uh than than Craig Ramsey, who we all, you know, I'm sure you respect just as much as I do. And uh, you know, he talked about I mean, he played it more than any other player at the World Championships. You know, an 18-year-old kid. You had him out on the penalty kill. He played him in, you know, protecting leads, uh, first power play, the whole works. And he, uh, you know, he could do nothing but but sing his praises about how how nice a kid he is, always laughing, always smiling, a real team player. Uh, there are no marks against either of them as far as character goes. I can say the same thing about Wright. You know, he's a, he's a great kid too, which has made it difficult to, you know, to be ha having to be so critical of him 
to justify why I don't have him first overall. It's it's one of the unfortunate parts of the business. Is um yeah, is, I just go ahead, Beth. Is that Slavkovsky guy kind of like Yager? I mean, when you guys are talking, he kind of reminds me of Yager. He's big. He's got great hands. He's he's from, he's from Czechoslovakia, isn't he? He's kind of uh, well, Slovak, Slovakia, but okay. yeah, I mean, uh, yes. I mean, I, you'd hate to put that pressure on the kid. I've I've referred to him as a, kind of the you know the poor man's Jager, maybe you know that type. Obviously, you, you can't say he's going to be the next Jager because Jager, you know, one of the top five point producers of all time, and Slavkowski's probably not going to be that. But yeah, that you know the physical package. Uh, he just his puck protection skills at that age against men just blows me away. Like you, when he's 23, I don't know how you're going to get the puck off him. You know, he's going to be, he's going to, you know how Armia, when he's at his best on the cycle. Yeah, when he's at his best, yeah. You know, it's like that all the time with this kid, but even better. Plus, he's got vision, uh, better shot than Armia, obviously, and, and better hands. So, I mean, that's a, that, that to me is the ideal, the ideal guy for, for Caulfield and, and, and Suzuki. You just, you plug him in there and you've got, you know, they, they tried every winger on the team, I believe, you know, like Pitlick, uh, you name it, uh, go down the list. They tried with those two guys this year and none, none really clicked. I mean, Anderson ended up being that, you know, the preferred choice, but you can't say that Anderson's a, a good playmaker or has good vision or good hands. That's not his game. But in a first-line role, I think you need somebody with first-line skill. And uh, Slavkowski's got that, plus the size, which is exactly what they need, I believe. Who, who's right? Who does Wright resemble? Give me a player that plays today that I can say Wright's like. Okay, well, I was going to say one that Knuckles would know, Pierre LaRouche. <laughs> yeah, going back no, 40 really? years. Well, really? I mean, that, just away from the puck. You know, away but so oh, skilled, no, I have o- you. opportunistic, you know, yeah. likes to kind of, you know, needs to be introduced to his goalie at the end of some games, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I talked to Reggie Hool last uh, last fall and he was telling me about, you know, uh, how he just wouldn't come back to support his uh, defenseman. And that's why Scotty, you know, he, he sat in the, in the stands for a couple of playoff uh, Stanley Cup runs when he was a 50 goal scorer before that. But, I mean, was Scotty right? You know, they won two more cups. And then the, the year that he became the first-line center with the Habs, they lost to Minnesota in six games, and the four, four cups were over, you know? Um, yeah, I was there. Yeah, okay. I was, I was <laughs> I in the so. stands. It wasn't okay. Al McAdams scored. It was game seven, right? Game oh, I seven. thought it was six. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was game seven. But anyway, okay. I, I know one thing. We lost, and that was my first year pro. And I played, I think I played two playoff games in Minnesota that year. So that was my first taste of uh, NHL playoffs. Most importantly, Grant, how would you have scouted Chris? (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, at the time, I had said needs to work on his skill and his skating, you know, and he did. I mean, the the improvements that that I saw in Knuckles' game from, you know, his first uh, uh, pro camp to – did you ever play in Ottawa uh, exhibition game against Chicago Knuckles? Uh, do you, do you recall honestly, that? I can't remember. Okay, because there, okay. uh, there, there used to be exhibition games every year 
in in yeah. uh, in Ottawa. I know I played up there. I don't know if it was Chicago. I know we played an exhibition game. There. Well, and it would have it was always Chicago, and then you would have played. I remember the first time set get set my eyes on Rod Langway, and I yeah. thought, holy geez, here's Larry Robinson. Like he looked, you know, he had the mutton yeah, chops and like the the look, the whole look. You know, no helmet, the fuzzy hair, and just the same size. I thought, oh my goodness, this kid, you know. Uh, I, I honestly can't say I said the same thing when I first saw, you know, I wasn't blown away when I first, <laughs> the first time I saw you play, but, uh, did, but I, the, I, I don't mean, blame you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. Did you, hey, listen, did you, did you write down not tough enough? <laughs> no, no, I, I got, I got that right, part right. Here's the deal. I'm going to end it here on knuckles and we'll get back into uh, what we're here to talk about the NHL draft. I was drafted as a favor in the 17th round by Dickie Moore and Doug Harvey. My coach as a young guy was Judge Paul King. Judge King was a friend of Dickie Moore, and he was a friend of Doug Harvey, very close friends. And the judge asked them to do him a favor and draft me. That's how I got drafted. I wasn't found. They sent somebody down to look at me at Northeastern, no question. I think it was Richard Scammell at the time. <clears throat> and anyway, I was picked. To, uh, 231 out of 235. I mean, come on. You know that's a favor. It's not like all of a sudden they said, oh, we got this kid at Northeastern we're looking at. No, no, it was a favor. So thank you, Judge, and thank you, Dickie and Doug. Well, Enough about Knuckles. Well, thankfully, So we get into uh, the first. Hey, Chris, ahead, well, the one thing you have to cover, just as a favor for me, I'm from Pittsburgh, so I brought up Jagger. How about Logan huh. Foley? I mean, we he's is he out yeah, of the Yeah, we're going to get there, Bat. Okay. We're getting there. All right. The top three, the top three. Right. Uh, you're thinking Shane Wright, Savlowski is cool. You in that top three. Right. Well, my top three doesn't have right. Hey, eh? I think I mentioned that already. I've got Noah Oastland. I've got Noah Oastland in there. And I know you, you know, you, you're planning on asking me who I think is the, you know, the dark horse or whatever that, that could end up being the best. That's kind of underrated a bit. And that's the kid for me. I just love this kid. Uh, he wears number eleven, and he reminds me a heck of a lot of a of a an undersized center that used to wear number eleven for the Canadians. I don't know if you you know who I'd be speaking of, but he also wore a C. So uh, Saku Koivu, obviously, um, just a very very. He reminds me in so many ways of, of Koivu, and I do think that the Canadians uh, wouldn't mind trading up with their second pick to get him if. You know, if they don't end up. So where right. is he rated right now, Oslin? Uh Well, I mean, depends on what. The first you know. one I looked at, they had him, you know, in the the first one I looked at, they had him in the teens. Yeah. Well, Bob McKenzie's list is, is to me, is the, you know. Yeah. The it, list. It's the preeminent list other, other than mine, of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because like me, he, you know, he gets input from NHL scouts. Um, he get, you know, he pulls 10 scouts and he just puts, you know, it's basically a poll. Uh, and he, he had him 22, but he was also the biggest riser on his list. Like I think he was in his, in the fifties at the last. And what that usually indicates is, you know, that anybody that's risen that much, you're going to see him, you know, go even higher than, uh, I'd be shocked if he doesn't go in the top 20. I know too many NHL scouts that love the kid. And uh, 
I was a little surprised that he was still that low on his list, honestly. But scouts can be a little reluctant to really jump a guy up. And uh, I, I mean, I didn't even have him in the first round at mid-season, to be honest with you. But I, I got, you know, I got wind that he was improving and playing well. And, and unfortunately, with video scouting, the, the team he played for, they got dark sweaters with red numbers. And it was almost impossible to watch this kid, uh, you know, um, unless you just were paying rapt attention to where he was at all points in the ice because you couldn't read the numbers. So I hadn't really been scouting him that much. But then I saw him at U18 uh, competition where he was great. And then at the uh, U18s, the, the final U18s, in my mind, in a lot of scouts' minds, he was the best player. Like he outplayed Cooley, he outplayed everyone. The Leclerc, Mackey, uh, Ogren, who were also in the top 10 mix, he was better. And he's a centerman. So I went back and looked at tape, found some games where they wore the white sweaters with blue numbers. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm on Instat and I could get every game uh, I can scout. And I went back and I watched about 15 of his games and he just blew me away. I just, I, I really think he's the, uh, the major wild card in this draft. I like him more than Cooley. So, wow. So, uh, Shane Wright out of the top three. Um, if if there's a player in that first round that maybe shouldn't be, who do you think that is? Who? Uh, well, it, it's hard to say, Knuckles, because like there's no definitive list, you know. Like, um, I mean, one list will have a guy in the top 30, another won't. Um, so, I mean, uh, I, I like all the, the top 20 guys that, that Bob has listed or, you know, any of the top scouting services has listed. I think they're all, I think it's very solid in the top 20. And I don't know that any, you know, that I'd say, well, I think he's going to be a miss. I guess the the biggest question mark are the two Russians that, that were so highly touted going into the year. Like what happens, what happens with these guys? You know, do they even come over? Uh, Mirish Nachenko, you know, he's got Hodge, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So it, for a lot of people, he was, a, it was thought that it was either him or Wright that were going to be the best player in this draft class. So then, you know, uh, Ukraine gets invaded. He gets uh, cancer. <laughs> you know, he doesn't have a great year. Doesn't get invited to the, uh, to the world junior team camp even in Russia because his coach Zubov said he was overweight, which I don't know why he would go public with that, but he did. Uh, so th- there's huge question marks concerning him. So maybe, uh, you know, it's one of the Russians if they go in the first round that ends up not even playing it in North America. So I guess that'd be my answer. How about Ivan Fedotov? All right. Signed by the Flyers, right? Um, and here's a Russian goalie, 6'7", 205 pounds, right? He was unbelievable in the Olympics, right? 1.16 goals against average, 9.42 save percentage, 4-2 and two record. Um, anyway, he signs with the Flyers, and Putin, the bastard, he has him arrested and puts him in the can and saying he's dodging the draft. He's going to end up sending him to Ukraine. Is that nuts? I know it's not about the draft, but uh, you got to wonder – What's that going to do to NHL teams thinking about picking a Russian player now? Uh, yeah, it's nuts. 
And uh, yeah, I think it only clouds the situation. You know, one of my real dark horses is a is a kid that I watched a lot of video on, uh, who is uh, September 9th birthday, so he was barely eligible for last year's draft. Um, he scored 40 goals in Russian Junior this year, and I don't know that there's three more skilled players in this draft class. He like he really blossomed this year, you know. And all right, um, get me out of the suspense. Who was uh, it? Okay, uh, Dmitry <laughs> Buchelnikov. You know, Buchelnikov. he reminds me of Buchelnikov. He reminds me a lot of uh, Kaprizov, that type of skill, that size, yeah. that that kind of player. And of course, Kaprizov was a fifth round pick, so you know, NHL teams yeah. would like to have another crack at that. So, but I mean, NHL teams didn't get to scout him. None of the scouts I know saw him live this year. It was all video scouting, and it's, you know, the question mark of Russia. I don't even know if he's going to get drafted, but I have him in my top 50 because talent-wise, I think he's right at the top of the draft. How much, when we look at COVID and what happened, okay, and the league shut down, how much of an impact do you think that has had on the, maybe not, you know, the development of some of these young players getting drafted this year? You think it sets some of them back and kind of hurt them overall, I think, this group? Yeah, I I believe so. The way I look at it, especially with the uh, the OHL guys who a lot of them, you know, including Wright, didn't play at all other than unless they got invited to the U18s and that was it. Uh, I think, you know, personally, I I look at it as a, a good indicator of how hard these maybe these kids work in the off season, you know, in the gym and off ice. Cause what else did they have to do over the year was to, to work on the off site, off ice stuff in the gym and stuff. Uh, I mean, I've heard the excuse made that, well, right had last year off. So, you know, but every OHLer was in the same boat, you know, why would it be an excuse for him, but not for the others? Uh, Wyatt Johnson, who got picked uh, 23rd overall, um, he went from 30 points to 120. You know, he didn't play last year at all either. Well, how come he improved so much and Wright didn't, you know? So uh, Mason McTavish, how come he's so much better th- than he was last year? You know, uh, uh, there's a lot of examples of that. So, it, you know, in, in that regard, I think it was a it, it was a good indicator of just how hard this ki- these kids work off the ice if they improved a lot or if they didn't improve a lot. Well, you, All right, Barry, okay. Barry, I know you have a list of questions. I'm going to just one more and oh, then oh. you jump. No, I want you to jump in after this. Cause I know you, you've come up with some good questions for Grant. Um, and this is my last one just for now. And I want Barry to jump in, but you look at the Habs having that first overall pick. Do you think that, <laughs> If they could choose, if they could swap, would they swap this year's first pick? And I know there's no guarantees for next year, but wouldn't it be nice if they had it next year with Connor Bedard? Certainly. Are, are they, uh, they haven't wrangled the uh, NHL into letting them host the draft again next year, have they? <laughs> I mean, that would be great, right? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, Connor Bedard's 5'9 winger, you know. I mean, yeah, he'd be great to have, but is he 
you know, is he the guy that's going to, if the Habs had him, going to take him to the promised land in the, in the playoffs? Maybe, you know, I mean, Johnny Gaudreau is a hell of a hockey player, you know, uh, has he taken Calgary past the first, uh, you know, past two rounds in the, in the uh, playoffs? Um, you know, we saw he, he had a couple of good games in the playoffs, but he's never, a lot of these five, nine guys come playoff time, as you know, knuckles, it gets a little tighter checking and as great as they are in the regular season, you know, they aren't, you can't name too many five, nine wingers that have led a team to a cup. Patrick Kane is the exception, I suppose. And, uh, you know, it is, uh, so you don't know, but um, yeah, I mean, it would be great to have Michkov or, or Bedard and maybe, you know, maybe they end up in the bottom five again and maybe they get a crack at them. So um, I know a lot of people uh, that would love to see them get Bedard next year. That's for sure. Well, I just hope, and I always say the draft is such a crapshoot, right? The top five, you okay, you can be pretty sure on guys. Then I just think it gets so you can do your homework and but until that guy gets there, um, you just don't know. You know, you can educate yourself on the player as much as you can. You can get into his character, his skill, all that stuff. But until he gets there and faces that, you know, starts really facing these men that <laughs> are pretty seasoned at what they do. Um, that's where you see a kid either either stall in his development. Or, or just bloom and take off. And, you know, I, I look at a guy like Galchenyuk, and I always say, that kid away from the puck, I just he doesn't have a clue. And I always said that. I, I watched him from the beginning, and I know he had pressure, blah, 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 all this stuff. But, you know, when I watched him in his own end of the rink, he just didn't have a clue what to do or how to defend at all. Hockey sense, I worried about him from the get-go, and certainly we've seen he bounced around uh, – difficult situation for that kid so um anyway this year's draft i can't wait uh certainly to see what happens here and i know my friend barry producer barry has a few for you well what do you look at grant what do you look at um other than the obvious things which is skill and size is there anything that that jumps when you're trying to separate the players you look at i mean the things a guy like me won't even think about that you say wow that separates that guy well, you know, um, th this is probably the hardest thing to judge it, it is uh, their hockey sense. Um, but I think that that's so important. You know, you can have off game. You can be a little tired, you know, maybe run down physically and not be at your best that game. But if you're a really smart player, you, you're not going to hurt a team out there, you know, no matter how tired you are or run down physically. So to me, uh you know, if, and it's not easy to judge, that's for sure. And you, you try to, you try to do it by um, multiple views where you, where you can try to discern, you know, just how smart that player is. And I think that separates a lot of, a lot of really uh, skilled players that are close in skill. But, you know, I think you normally see that the, the guys that are at the top uh, just are extremely smart. Well, how about, is there any player currently playing again? I like some guy who really has great hockey sense. You say to yourself, man, that guy, he, maybe he doesn't have the others, but boy, he's got some hockey sense. Well, Nick Suzuki, you know, we can go right to, right to Montreal and, and point to him. Uh, I mean, he's got good skill too. Don't get me wrong, but 
he, to me, he's one of the top five most smartest, uh, one of the five smartest hockey players on the planet. The one, the one thing you guys didn't cover, and I did mention I'm from Pittsburgh. So Logan Coley, he's getting a lot of play. Um, you know, I've read a lot about him. His family's a very interesting story with his uncle and everything. But what's a, what is the uh, talk on him? Um, yeah, well, I, I pronounce it Cooley, and I think that's Cooley, probably – Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Um <laughs> he, uh, Cooley is, is a, uh, is a terrific prospect, you know, um, took me a little while to warm up to him. Uh, admittedly, I kind of liked Nazar a little better at the start of the year, another centerman with, with the U S team, but, uh, the NHL scouts kept assuring me that he was the best prospect, most of them anyway. Uh, and the more I watched him, the, the more I saw that, you know, he was more consistent than Nazar, uh, Great skater, certainly one of the top five skaters and one of the top five puck handlers in this draft. At five ten and a half, you worry a bit about whether, you know, whether he'll be a first line center. But there may not be any first line centers from this draft, as it turns out. We'll see. But uh, you know, in a normal draft year, uh, you may not have him as a top five pick because uh, because of his size. But this year, it's not. You know, I, I don't see any franchise guys really per se. And it's one of the reasons why almost by default that he's top three on a lot of lists. Is there, is there, I mean, you guys might, when you sit around and just talk to each other, is there any teams that you think just got it right? They just always draft right. I mean, is there any, or is it just a crapshoot to a certain extent? They go wrong, they go right. Sort of. Yeah, there's no, there's no super scout out there. This, uh, this business, you know, when you're drafting 17, 18 year olds, it humbles you, it humbles you in a hurry, unless you, you know, you're not paying any attention, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, Barry Frazier, you know, uh, is a good example back with Edmonton when he drafted, you know, Anderson and Messier and, you know, he was thought to be just a, a genius scout. Well, then they had about a 10 year span where every single one of their top first round picks was a flop, you know? Uh, so was he a genius scout? No, he just got it right. Sometimes, you know, David Conte, same deal in, uh, New Jersey for, for the longest time, he would, you know, he's the best scout ever, you know, look at what he, look who he got. And then every first round pick, every pick they made for about eight years was bad. So, <laughs> you know, you, you win some, you lose some there. It's just, it's such an inexact science drafting, 17, 18 year old kids that, uh, that, that, you know, I think St. Louis has probably been the best scouting team. I have high respect for Bill Armstrong. Uh, also Tampa, you know, they've done a, uh, for the most part, a, a really good job, but again, you know, they've had, they've had guys that flopped in the top 10 and top 15. So it, to me, it's just, uh, it, there's no, there's no uh, scouting staff that that it is leaps and bounds ahead of the others. It, it just, and I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'll put you on the spot. What was put your worst? Spot. What was your worst call you ever made? You look back and you say, "Oh, how did I get that well, one wrong?" Have you got a couple hours? Or 
<laughs> there's always, you know, I know uh, everybody's got to make just wondering if the one that they yeah. do that just just how like yeah, well, I Pedersen, uh, I had him top five, Elias Pedersen. I had him top five. I mean, skill wise, you know, midpoint season, and uh, you know, I I remember watching a game and uh, he was playing in the Alsvenskan, so the second second tier of pro in in Sweden. And he was great, you know, dominating. And I said to a couple scouts, geez, this guy looks, he could be top five. And they said, yep. Okay. So I moved him into the top five of my list. Kept watching him. He was skinny. He was like 160 pounds and almost 6'2". And uh, he got worn out as the season went along, you know. And it really, uh, I really uh, questioned his durability, whether he'd be able to play. Uh, without getting injured at the NHL level a lot. And, you know, as skilled as he was, I thought, you know, maybe this kid isn't going to be durable enough. And I think in, in one case, in that case, at least, it was a, a case of overscouting a bit, you know, overthinking, overscouting. I ended up dropping him to 15 by draft day. And, of course, you know, we, we, we've seen what he, what he did in Vancouver after, after he was drafted. He, you know. I mean, he's not been as great the last two years and he's got some injuries and stuff. So, you know, maybe he's going to have some durability issues, but certainly if I were to do a draft again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, rank him 15th. That's for sure. But it's also served as a learning lesson. Like, I mean, I'm always learning and adapting from the draft where you, you know, uh, the next skinny kid that maybe wears out a bit at the end of of the draft year, don't put all your stock into what he did at the end of the year. Don't forget what he did the first half of the year, you know. And I think Kemmel uh, is a good example in this draft where he, at one point uh, early in the year, he looked like the top prospect in the draft. And then he got a shoulder injury and he never never played the same the rest of the year. And, you know, I, I found myself dropping, dropping a la Pedersen. And finally, you know, at the end of the year, I was, okay, wait a minute here. I saw it, you know, and if you, if you saw it, don't forget it. You know, I saw that this guy could be top three player from this draft class. I saw that in the first half of the year. I didn't see it later, but, you know, and you tend to go with what you, you know, you saw at the end, but I, I ended up uh, moving him back up to the top six in the draft class. And I think that's probably where he's going to end up going to. Okay, I just have two more real quick. Who, Who's the highest guy you ever had rated that was just since you've been doing it? The guy you said, sure shot, great. There's not even a question. He's number one. Let's get on with it. McDavid? You called that one <laughs> that's right. That's an easy that's an easy question. That's an easy one. It seems to me a lot, and I'm I'm not like you guys, but a lot of the guys are always highest rated. By by the end of the year, people are looking for reasons to downgrade them as the year goes on. They just they start doubting it. All and I said to Chris beforehand. I remember when Tavares was always rated high. And at the end of the year, they people were just knocking them, knocking them, knocking them, trying to find what was wrong with them. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that that's true. So and my other one, and I kind of forget. Jeez, I'm getting old. I'm getting old. Yeah. Let's see. We're gonna have to find Let's, a new producer. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Uh, better. <laughs> well, Knuckles, Knuckles had, had had a chat with me and had mentioned that you were going to ask me about uh, 
you know, a player that I had ranked really high that didn't end up going high, but, but ended up being, uh, you know, a really good pick. I do believe, well, there, again, there's been a few of those too, so it goes both ways, but thankfully, but, uh, you know, I always think of Eric Carlson and that was, uh, one of my first drafts that I, uh, where I was scouting, I was with McKean's at the time. And, uh, at, in those days, you know, the scouts like me didn't get to see a lot of video on these guys. I'd heard whispers and there were two Eric Carlson's in the draft. And it's funny. I remember, um, you know, I got kind of word from from a scout that there was this up and coming uh, Eric Carlson kid, and I remember I, I talked to a scout and I asked him, you know, what you know, what do you think of Eric Carlson? And real dead silence, because you know, oh geez, you know, he discovered this kid, because eh? <laughs> the NHL scouts were onto him. Uh, he ended up being ranked seventy first overall by the Hockey News, and uh, but. Thankfully, we got to see the the under eighteen tournament at the end of the year, and uh, he blew me away, like with his skill. And I ended up ranking him top ten with McKean's. We were the only publication that had him in the top twenty, and we we went all the way and we put him as a top ten guy. And said, you know, the skill you can't pass on that skill and the uh, the vision and the smarts. And um, of course, you know, he ended up getting picked by Ottawa fifteenth overall. Uh, Anaheim loved him and they were going to pick him at 15 and, uh, Brian Burke was the, was the GM and he, uh, he told the staff, well, I'm not drafting 160 pound Swedish defenseman. Uh, I'm moving back. And he, and he, uh, he, he dropped down three spots or two spots and took Gardner, Jake Gardner and, uh, Ottawa moved up and took, uh, Eric Carlson. And I think, uh, Berkey would have liked to have had that one back if he could have. For sure, and certainly we all. He ain't the first guy who made a mistake in the oh, draft. Oh, of course not. Sure. No, 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 no. No just, question. It a, but it was interesting that there's an example of of uh, GM overruling the scouting staff, yeah. and you know, and well, I, I, very strong-willed GM too. True, true. <laughs> but I mean, they're the guys that are my out friend, watching, by the way. They're the guys that are out watching these guys every you know, two hundred times a year, and and I mean that's what they're there for, right? Uh, I understand the the thinking that 160 pound Swedish defenseman, but they loved him. They had him ranked first, and uh, if the, if he'd have listened to them, it probably would have turned out even better. You know, Grant. My last question. Okay, you scout. You must love what you do. What does it feel like when you see a player that you discovered, but no one has him very high rated, and you see him and you go, "This kid's got it." I mean. What's the feeling? I mean, do you feel like you discovered something? Like you can't wait to tell people? I just wonder emotionally. Because you, you see a lot of kids that I'm sure other people know about, but you have to come across some kids when you're scouting other kids. You go, God, that kid's really good. No one's talking about him. Pavel, that's a perfect example, right? Really? Yeah. That- yes. Uh, well, that, that, that happened with Buchelnikov this year. You know, I, I uh, contacted all of my scouting friends said, have you seen this guy? You know, what do you No, Don't, don't know who you're talking about. Never saw him. We don't have him on our list, you know, and it's, oh, okay. Well, I mean, you should, as far as I'm concerned, but you know, they can't get over there. They're reluctant to, their European guys do, are there and they do the scouting over there. So they don't rock the boat on that. If they don't like a guy, they're not, it's not like they can say, well, I watched a video and you know, 
you should have them. It, it's up to the European scouts to, to rank those guys. So, yeah, certainly it has been the case with several Europeans through the years. Kuznetsov is another one. I had him top 10. Uh, he was, if it had been up to me in, in 2010, you know, but I was low man on the totem pole with Montreal, uh, I'd have picked Kuznetsov with their first pick, but they ended up taking Tenorti, you know, who at the time they thought they needed the size and, and they probably did, but he didn't work out. You know, that's the way it goes. You know, and that's another thing. Drafting by need, um, you know, what do you think of that, by the way? Drafting, is there a time to draft by need? And should you stay away from that at all costs when you really come down to it? Do you take the talent over the need? Certainly with the first pick, you know, I think you have to go BPA because you're drafting uh, ideally for three to five years down the road and your roster can, can be completely different than it was. You know, it, it's funny. I've looked back, oh, well, they should have taken the defenseman. You know, you look back at old, old drafts and then three or four years later, they were loaded with defensemen. It, it wouldn't have mattered, you know. You just, uh, you, you're drafting for the future and you don't know what the roster is going to look like in the future. You know, it's not like the NFL draft where they plug in these 22 year olds, you know, that have played four years college and you know, they're playing the next year and they're helping you. So you draft by need it's uh, you go with the talent. I agree. 100% knuckles. All right. Um, just a couple more. Slavkovsky. How do you say his name? Your, your Slavkovsky. That's a really good question. Yeah. Uh, okay. Jerry, Jerry, <laughs> they'll Jerry. probably, we'll they'll probably end up, they'll probably end up calling him Jerry. I wouldn't doubt it. I think it's Uri, Uri. Slaffy. And, and his nickname <laughs> in the NHL will be Slaffy. Yes. They're going to call him Slaffy. You know that. And <laughs> I got to tell you, I finally got Kotkaniemi. Um, that was a tough name at the beginning. Kotkaniemi. And Christ, you heard it enough to finally get it down. And, uh, God, did he ever hit the jackpot leaving here, right? Thank you, yeah. Berge. Um, got to wonder. And listen, the Finns have really, their program, they've developed some very good players, you know, where it was always the Swedes, 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 Swedes. And the Finns have really, um, they've come on as a, a, a nation that puts out some damn good hockey players. Oh, definitely. You got to love, uh, you got to love their personality, their character. They're hardworking, you know. You're getting a hardworking, uh, solid character kid as a rule when you when you draft the Finn. Lekkinen, I mean, look at Lekkinen what he did. Uh, 18 goals as a rookie, right? Everybody thought he's going to be a goal scorer and this and that. This kid is a complete player, you know. And you, you talked about um, uh, Pedersen and Carlson, some of the guys smaller side. You need these guys to win. But you're just here. We are talking about Slaffy, and Slaffy is this big, big man who is going to be able to be one of those guys be standing at the end when it's time to hoist that Stanley Cup. And you have a few of those smaller players, talented players, Caulfield, um, and you're able to insulate them. That's the ticket. And the more I think of what you're saying here about Slaffy. Man, I hope the Habs do take him. That size, that that ability he has, and you see Suzuki and him one too. 
And why I have you, Suzuki, as talented as he is, the hockey sense, and he, he great hockey sense, is he a true number one? I th- I think if you if you have if you play him with true number one wingers, yes, you know, yeah. like uh, is Bergeron a true number one offensively? Well, when you put him mm. with Marshawn and Pasternak, he is. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if he'd have been playing with Josh Anderson and uh, and Jonathan Drouin, your favorite there, oh. uh, oh. the past few years, would he have been putting up? I got to be points? careful with that. I don't want to. <laughs> oh my god! You know, it's when, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I God do bless believe... the kid. I listen. I. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, 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 oh, I want to see the talent. He's so yeah, talented. I know. And, I and know. you got that little, just more drive from night in and night out. And it's frustrating. And I know I let it get to me. I know he, listen, he's a great kid, I'm sure. But out in that ice, it's so demanding to play in the NHL. And sometimes I, the thing I question about is his commitment to his teammates and himself to be the best he can be every night. That's all it is with me. And I, it's frustrating. And listen, I don't expect every player to be able to play them 82 games. And I always went on the LeMaire thing. He asked me one time, he said, how do you think you played tonight? I said, oh, I thought it was okay. He said, Chris, you were, you were terrible tonight. And I was like, you know, my pride's hurt and my ego. I'm like, oh. And he said, listen, be honest with yourself about the way you play. It's the only way you're going to, be able to improve yourself in in your game in the future. And he said, here's what I'm going to throw at you right now. You you stunk tonight. He said, I'm going to give you one of those games every 10 games. So that's eight games a season. And he said, I can, I can see how that can happen. I played the game, I know. But you've got to be so driven to want to be good every night, not to let that happen. Because you let it happen once and you let it slip to the next game and the next game and the ne- next thing you stink for five games. He said, you got to really set that goal. Of, Listen, <laughs> if I have a bad game, it, it ain't happening for the next nine again. There's just no way. And and I strove to do that every 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 season. After he told me that, I said, I, I got to try and hit that mark every year. And I, I think for the most part I did. And when I did suck, those nights, you know what I used to do? Go out and drop the gloves and just say, listen, let's do it. Let, let's get this thing on right now because my legs aren't working tonight, but my fists will. So, you know, it's funny, funny stuff. Listen, Grant, uh, this has been so awesome having you, and uh, I appreciate your time. And if you want to check out Grant's um, uh, recruiting, his draft guide, you can go to www.recruits.ca. Uh, it's, it's so detailed and he goes in depth on players and, uh, it's really interesting. You take the time to read it, uh, go to the website, check out Grant's website. Awesome stuff, Grant. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. We'll have to do this again at some point. Maybe we'll talk, uh, this season midpoint and see where we got next year's draft coming, uh, 2023 and see just where everybody stands. What do you think, though, the Habs this year? They're not, they're not going to stink like they stunk last year, right? They're going to be up in the middle somewhere, wouldn't you think? Closer to the middle of the pack? Yeah, I think so, because they've got good young talent and, uh, and, and talent coming, too. Like, uh, there's three or four defensemen that are going to push for jobs next year that are going to improve. 
you know, at least one's going to make the team, probably two. Gooley, Gooley's a real deal. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah. He, he's he's just <laughs> big boy. Uh, there's there's no flaws in his game, so he's going to help immensely. And um, you know, I guess the big question mark is goaltending, right? If uh, yeah. If Price is uh is out all year, maybe they struggle a little more than I think they will. If he plays, then I don't see them being a bottom five team. Nobody taking Carey Price in a trade, huh? Unless say the Habs eat half of it. Do you think someone takes him? Oh, that that's a great question. I I guess it all comes down to health, and you know, yeah. we're not we don't know exactly what's going on there. Yeah, it's it's tough to read, no question. He's pretty pretty um, um, secretive about everything, which I get. There's no question. But I, I hope for him that uh, he's able to come back and play again. I don't know if it's going to be here. I don't know if he even wants to be here. When you look at what they're going through here, this, this I mean, the one thing that's missing is the Stanley Cup, right? And uh, I'm sure he wants – he'd love to get a piece of that. Uh, there's no question about it. But, uh, you know – you look at a team like Colorado, how they won the cup this year. You know, I wasn't too, too sure about that goaltender, Kemper, after, um, um, you know, after what I saw in game two it was, I think, right? Or when he got hurt. And the other kid come in, Frank Coos. I'm like, is that going to happen? Uh, so we'll see. And um, certainly um, it um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here in the draft. So, Again, Grant, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks. Thanks, Barry. Thanks, Knuckles. Thank you. Thanks, Grant. Nice meeting you. All right, Grant.